0: I'm curious, do you want to know how to achieve lasting positive transformation, abundance and empower your life? If you are not happy with where you are today and the repeating patterns that represent in your life over and over again, then a radical shift is what's required to help you make changes and live your life more on purpose. All you need to do is sign up to our email list and you will receive an online module on how to create radical paradigm shifts. You can get it completely for free when you sign up to our email list at Catherineplano.com. and as a valued subscriber, you are also going to get exclusive content that's only available to our email subscribers where we will have members-only events, free access to online masterclasses, VIP and discount tickets to all events. Only available for people on our email list, we offer bonus content with more advanced tips that are exclusive just for our email subscribers. There is amazing stuff available for you, only if you sign up to the email list, and you can do that by going to katharineplano.com and sign up on the homepage. Well, this week I'm really super excited about our guest. We have Sandra Maitri. Sandra is an artist, an author, an Enneagram teacher, and a longtime teacher of the Diamond approach to inner realization. She was among the first group of students to whom the Chilean psychiatrist Claudio Naranjo presented the Enneagram system in the United States in the early 70s. She has been teaching the Enneagram as part of the larger work of spiritual transformation for over four decades. Sandra leads Diamond Approach groups and Enneagram workshops for hundreds of students each year in the United States and Europe. Her first book became a classic of its kind, bringing to the virgin genre of Enneagram literature one of its most spiritually grounded voices. She has studied with various Eastern and Western spiritual and psychological teachers, focusing especially on insight and Tibetan Buddhist meditation. The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram, Nine Faces of the Soul, was published in 2000 and her second book, The Enneagram of Passion and Virtues, Finding the Way Home, was published in 2005. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy! Enjoy! Well, today I'm super excited. Uh, we have the lovely Sandra Maitrey all the way from California. So welcome to I Am Woman Project.
1: Thank you very much.
0: And the reason I am really super excited is because of, um, and you'll see as we unpack the uh, The lovely Sandra is an author of two books, The Spiritual Dimension of the Enneagram and The Enneagram of Passions and Virtues, which I'm super excited about. But before we unpack your books, Sandra, what is your unique story? Tell us how you got to where you are today.
1: Well, I got to where I am today quite by accident. Um, I was 21, 22 years old and... It was the end of another miserable relationship, and uh, I realized that I needed help. And a friend gave me a flyer about a group that was starting, and it was being started by a man named Claudio Naranjo, who was, uh, he, he just passed away this year, but he was a real luminary in the consciousness movement um, centered here in the Bay Area in California. And he was starting a group that was combining spiritual work and uh, the practice of gestalt, which was very, very popular at the time. And I thought, great, I can do a gestalt group that's going to be spiritual. And little did I know that it would lead me into spiritual work that has been my life's work. And it's been what I've been involved with for the, the almost 50 years since that time.
0: Mm. So for, for our listeners, let's unpack Gestalt for those that don't know what that means.
1: Hmm. Well, Gestalt. Um, there's a lot to it, but one of the things is that you uh, you have a, a a leader, someone who is doing uh, leading the Gestalt session. And if somebody is working, they'll have you put a part of yourself that you uh, are having difficulty with, or a person in your life that you're having difficulty with. Onto a pillow or a chair, and they'll have you talk to that person or that part of yourself. And then they'll have you become that person or part of yourself, and there'll be a dialogue that happens. So it's it's a form of therapy that was founded by uh, Fritz Perls. And um, it was very, very popular in the early se- late 60s, early 70s. And it, it's still used. I still use it in the work that I do with people. Very powerful way of, of coming to peace with different parts of ourselves.
0: Mm, I love it. Now, the, uh, of course, the next question is going to be about the books. Talk us through the first one, the spiritual dimension of the Enneagram. How did that come about? That came about
1: through the work that I did with Claudio, the Enneagram. He had recently learned the Enneagram from a Bolivian mystic named Oscar Ichazo, who he had studied with in Chile. And being a psychiatrist, Claudio had fleshed out the system of the Enneagram with lots of psychological understanding. And so it was the main psychological map that we used in the group that I started with him in 1971. And um, it, it's been a very powerful influence on my life and something that I've worked with now for all of that time uh, and taught, of course. And I decided to write my first book, kind of at the end of the wave of the Enneagram being incredibly popular. It was in national magazines here in the States, and, you know, it was beginning to be used in corporate situations. And the thing about it is that only the psychological part of it was being taught And it's really, as I learned it, it's a map so that we can understand ourselves and work with ourselves, not to get fixed or to get better, but to develop spiritually. In other words, to loosen up our personality or ego structure enough so that we can begin to glimpse what's beyond it. So I felt that there was a real lack in the popular understanding of the Enneagram because it was really minus the whole spiritual perspective. And so that was why I wrote my first book.
0: Mm. And for our listeners, would you like to really high level, maybe talk us through the nine faces of the soul from one to <laughs> nine, what they are just really high level?
1: Okay, really briefly. Yes. All right. So um point nine, which is at the top of the Enneagram, that Enneatype, is characterized by being externally directed to the point where it's difficult for nines to know what they're feeling or thinking um, or what their own experience is because they're so caught up in that of others. Uh, they tend to be very... Lazy about paying attention to themselves and about taking care of what's really necessary. So their ego indolence is the proper name of the enneatype. Point one, I'll I'll go around the circle. Point one, they are the perfectionists of the enneagram. Point And they're people who tend to be very critical and who try to fix themselves and fix others. And they tend to become the superego for other people, the inner critic. So they tend to be quite judgmental uh, and very moralistic and really sticking to the moral high road. Point two, these are the dependents of the Enneagram, their sense of love and value rests in others, and so they play to other people. The proper name of the type is ego flattery, so they tend to flatter those who they think are really important or special or can do something for them. And so they're very dependent on those special others to give them a sense of personal value. Point three: um, the the short, shorthand name is ego go. These are people who are very very industrious. They're all about achieving. They're about their accomplishments. In other words, they take what they do to be who they are. And so they have a great fear of failure and a great drive towards success. So this is the proverbial self-made man or woman. Point four, ego melancholy. These are people who tend to be Longing, tend to be envious of what other people have or how other people are. Um, they pride themselves on being unique and special and original. And, um, they t- tend to, um, th- there's a great deal of turning away from the- themselves, self-abandonment in their, in their quest for Connection and it's, it's usually initially anyway through relationship. So they hope to find fulfillment through relationship similar to twos, but slightly different. Um, and so I think that's the kind of in a nutshell. That's fours, fives, ego stinge. These are the isolates of the Enneagram. In other words, they tend to isolate themselves. They tend to withdraw. They tend to be quite mental. They um, basically are very self-protective. They're protecting their energy, protecting their resources, because they basically feel inwardly kind of like an island cut off from others and cut off from any nourishment or resources that could come from the outside. Um, Type sixes, ego coward. These are the quintessential fear types of the Enneagram. And uh, sixes have two dominant styles. One is phobic. And this is the deer in the headlight kind of um, personality type. Someone who's very fearful, very timid. And when you look at them, they look like a deer in the headlights. You know, you can see the fear in their eyes. The other style of sixes is counterphobic, and they work against their fear. So they're constantly proving that they're not afraid. So they do things that are, uh, require brinksmanship or a lot of courage to basically prove to themselves and others that they're not scared. The central issue for sixes, regardless of the counterphobic or phobic style, is authority. The, the phobic style is very devoted to authority. The counterphobic is very anti-authoritarian and rebellious. Point seven, ego gluttony. These are the mappers and planners of the Enneagram. They're people who like to figure out how things work, get the big picture, whether it's in in, in whatever um Sphere that they're involved in it could be human consciousness if they're involved in consciousness they like to make big overarching maps of consciousness and how uh, Different states and different styles of people and so forth the Enneagram for sevens is like, you know candy um, They tend to think a lot more than they act. And um, they tend to be stimulus junkies. And a lot of what they look to for stimulation is interesting ideas. Point eight, ego revenge. These are the, um, in, in gestalt language, the top dogs of the Enneagram. They like to be in charge. They like to be in control. They're no bullshit, no nonsense kind of people, and they love to dominate. So they need to be in charge. They have a tremendous fear of weakness, both in themselves and, uh, well, they like to, they like to play to the weakness in other people so that they can stay in charge and on top. And of course, here in America, we have a prime example of an ego eight uh, in charge of things at the moment. So that's the, those are the types in a nutshell.
0: Mm, And so how does that link in with your second book? So the Enneagram of Passions and Virtues.
1: Yeah, associated with each enneatype is a, Passion and the passion in, in the language of the Enneagram, what we call passions are reactive tendencies, and these are sort of um, emotional or um, affective styles of responding to things in the world, like for instance. I mentioned that fours tend to be very envious of other people. Envy is the passion at point four. Um, so it's a it's a habitual emotional pattern. The virtues are the um, the antithesis, really, of the passions. They're the the balancing. Um, uh, ingredient you could say the antidote for the passions and in the way that I understand them they're really guidance for how we can live especially if we know what any type we are but in general they're very good guidance all of the all of the virtues to their they're guidance for how to live in a very effective and um, objective in other words not embroiled in our inner material sort of way. Um, So, for instance, the virtue at point four is equanimity. And equanimity means equally balanced. So, the, the real lesson here at point four is that I have as much weight and as much value as anyone else does. And that tends to offset the tendency toward envy. If you understand what yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah,
0: no, I do understand. What about? I'm curious because I'm number seven, so I'm going to ask. Okay, what would be the seven. Okay the the uh,
1: the passion is gluttony, uh-huh. and gluttony is a tendency. It's it's not so much. Um, we tend to think of gluttony as eating too much, but it's not really that. That's meant here, although it can be for sevens, but more it's a it's a passion for taking in stimulus. Mm. It's a gluttony for stimulation yeah. and engagement in interesting things. Mm. The virtue is sobriety. And sobriety is a settledness. So rather than being sort of outside of ourselves, grasping for what's interesting and fun and, and nourishing and all of that, sobriety is a settling into oneself and a recognition that I have what I need.
0: Mm. Mm, I could relate to that. I feel like I'm currently going through that right now. So that's um, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. So, Sandra, I'm curious, what number are you? I'm a two. You're a two. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm. uh, As I was sharing with you, I've just completed Enneagram and I just found that so amazing. Like I I like the way that you could almost, I'll call it the dance floor. You could dance through the dance floor, those archetypes. You could actually step in and wear those archetypes depending on what superpower you need for the day kind of thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Mm Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Sandra, the other thing we'd love to ask our women of inspiration is what would be a radical shift that has changed your life for the better?
1: Well, let's see. I I think really getting into inner work is what has transformed my life for the better. Uh, There have certainly been different stages and different turning points along the way. But that's the, the big overarching thing that has, um, ha- has really shifted me from being who I was um, however many years ago, almost 50 years ago, to where I am now, uh, which is, you know, in quite, quite a peaceful, contented place within myself. Almost all the time. Mm.
0: You are you. Just speaking with you, I feel so chilled out right now. You've got this real calmness about you, and peace definitely resonates with, with uh, yourself. Absolutely. So, Sandra, what advice would you give someone if they want to embark on a new life or a new career or change their life in some way, shape, or form?
1: The main advice that I would give is really listen to your heart. And follow what it is that your soul really, really wants to do, what really matters to you, not what you think should matter to you, not what somebody else thinks, uh, not doing things in order to make a lot of money, although for some people that might be a step they need to, to take along the way. Um, and if so, that's a good one. Uh, it's certainly a valid one. Um, but your heart has to be in it, whatever you're doing.
0: Absolutely. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that sits with me very, very. I think that how can you do something if you're not passionate about it or if you're not, like you were saying before, it's, it's got to come from the heart. Right. I mean, you can do it, but it's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> So true. The other question we love to ask our woman of inspiration about pain points, we believe everyone has a pain point and some pain points. What would be a pain point for you and how did you uh, get through it and find a solution to your pain point?
1: Well, I let's see. I guess it was about four years ago I had gotten to the point where uh, after my books had been published I I was – Getting pretty well known, and i I couldn't say no to all the work that was coming my way and all the requests for appearances and workshops and you know all of that. And I was way overextended. And um, what happened, I mean it's 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 certainly not anything I would recommend to anybody else, but I accidentally fell down the stairs in the middle of the night and broke my neck. And (laughs) so I had to come to a full stop. And uh, it took a year of recovery in which I had to stop working for the entire year. And that really recalibrated my life. To the point where now I just do as much as my energy, my physical energy can manage. And I don't override myself anymore like I was continuously doing. And I'm, I'm basically much happier. And, and fortunately, I have almost no residue from the accident. So I, w- I was very, very lucky. And I, I, I really feel like the universe intervened to stop me in my tracks Mm,
0: and you hear that all the time i've heard people break legs break arms just because of exactly what you were saying working too hard not knowing how to say no uh until something you know unfortunately kind of takes over and uh you're uh, left with no option but to stand still and um and be still just like the signs were there but you just ignored them
1: right exactly Mm. exactly
0: So what do you think, and I know you've worked with a lot of people as well, what do you think would be a reason that people, uh, because we do have a lot of entrepreneurs and and men and women in business that listen to this show, what -hmm. would be a reason, do you think, that most individuals fail to succeed? Fail
1: to succeed. I think not being, um, not believing enough in yourself and in what you're doing and also, I think being really practical and because um, I think there's a there's a balance between what you want to do and what the universe needs and can support. And so really finding that balance, like if you try to do something that nobody wants, then it's not going to be successful. So you have to really find the balance of what's needed and what it is that you can provide and want to provide for other people.
0: Mm, Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, what are you doing now with yourself? So you've written your, is there a third book in the pipeline or what are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm working, well, I'm actually working on two books right now. Um, One of them is a memoir that I've been working on off and on for the last eight years, and it's uh, reaching its final stages. I'm doing the edits now on the first draft, and um, that should be completed probably by the beginning of the year. And it's a memoir about the uh, early days of the consciousness movement here in California, so, beginning with the haight Ashbury, and going through all of the amazing, crazy things that were going on in the early seventies and eighties here, uh, all the teachers who I met and worked with, and so on. So, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I'm working on another book about the uh, that grew out of a workshop I did two years ago that was about what I see for each of the Enneatypes as being the primary inner obstacle. Like the map of the Enneagram shows you a ton of information about yourself. Uh, But as I've observed people who I've known and worked with very intimately for decades now, I can see that there's certain sticking places for each of the Enneatypes that um they need to contend with so that's what i'm writing about in the other book um i've also (laughs) i my my main line of work is teaching the diamond approach to inner realization which is a form of spiritual work and the main um Thing I'm doing with that right now, I lead a group in the UK that I've led for the last 17 years, uh, and I have a local group here in California that I've led for the last 13 years. Yep. And um, I've started a new group, a retreat group that meets twice a year uh, with a colleague of mine, a very good friend, and someone whose work I respect tremendously. Yep. So we're getting that retreat group off the ground.
0: Mm. so talk me through yeah. the diamond approach what is that exactly
1: well exactly is hard and <laughs> it's hard in
0: a in a couple of minutes
1: to describe but Just basically level. it's yeah it's it's a way of working where on the one hand you learn first of all how to get really present to yourself most of us are not Present to our interiority. And so in the Diamond Approach, we have practices and a whole shift in orientation that we support and encourage, which is about paying attention to your physical experience, to sense your body, sense your heart, sense what you're experiencing emotionally, and really land in your location. And the second aspect of the diamond approach, which is, I think, very revolutionary, is to explore whatever you find. The basic premise is that we are true nature, true nature being the divine, whatever you wish to call it, is what we are, and it's here all the time. It's part of our experience, but typically an unconscious part of our experience. So the work of the Diamond Approach is in a nutshell about penetrating the veils that separate us from direct experience of our deepest nature by actually going into and exploring those veils the, the premise is that whatever has no ultimate reality will dissolve in time. And one of the great teachings in all of the traditional forms of spiritual work is that our ego or our personality structure is ultimately something of the mind, and it doesn't have an ultimate existence. So, as we explore it in a process that we call inquiry in the diamond approach, we discover that firsthand and directly by really sensing into, like, for instance, all everything that's contained in the Enneagram of Personality, all the material of our, of our ego type, it's just an empty pattern, ultimately. It's not who we are. So, the diamond approach is about getting in touch with who we are beneath all of those patterns
0: mm, I love that absolutely love that. I was curious because um a long time ago um I did some uh, work and it was a, uh, with a crystal a quartz crystal where we had to once again go through the 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 veils and um, going through the layers into our truth, our light and into, into who we are not not what we are and not how um you know separating our behaviors from who uh we truly were so that's why i was asking the question because i was wondering whether it was something similar to the crystal work
1: um well i don't really know that work but um yeah i would say that that's there, there's definitely a parallel there
0: mm. Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So, Sandra, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal ba- brand, not band, sorry, what would be that one word for you? Um,
1: <laughs> I'm not sure I have a personal brand, Catherine.
0: <laughs> That's okay. It can be anything you like. You don't have to have any. What's one word that best describes you in a nutshell?
1: That describes me um, trying to be true to myself.
0: Mm, Truth. Love it. Yes. Absolutely love it. And the other thing that we love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick three shiny golden nuggets to leave for our listeners. So what would be those three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today?
1: Well, the first one, I mentioned it briefly, but... Really practicing sensing your body all the time. It's a, it's a very simple practice that we do in the diamond approach in which we have people sense their arms and legs and do that throughout the day. And it's a, it's a kind of deceptively simple practice. Um, the second thing that I would say is develop a meditation practice learn to meditate. Meditation, I think, is fabulous. And it's been a huge help for me in my journey. Um, And the third thing I would say is to really turn toward yourself and listen to yourself.
0: Mm. I love all three. I love the meditation. I actually get up at Uh, say quarter past four every morning to meditate Mm. so i don't i can tell the difference when i do not meditate uh my day is very different to when i do meditate Uh uh-huh so sandra where's the best place for our listeners to find you well i
1: have a website com. And, um, my information is there and the events that I'm doing are there as well.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so, so very much. We'll have that on the show notes. I can't thank you enough uh, for coming onto the show. like I said, I've started reading books. I can't wait to get into it. Uh, I'm really excited to have you on the show and I can't thank you enough for your time, your energy and sharing your wealth of wisdom with us.
1: Well, thank you so much, Catherine. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you. Okay.
0: Bye now. Bye. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift, where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at Catherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.